The physical version of a highly anticipated game is just a link to a 150 gigabyte download, plus a pioneer in JRPGs passed away earlier this year. Tonight is October 30th, 2022, and the Bobby Blackwell Show featuring your calls and chat comments is up next. So, so not, you would say uh, even if... Blah, blah, blah. Okay, I'll let you go. You talk. Wow, what, what happened to your voice? Thank you, Skype. So video games, that's what the show is about. This is that one, Akia Ripper from uh, Sweden. And what's with all the Halo hate, Bob? You've been hating on Halo a lot lately. I, I just don't like shooters. I'm not saying it's a bad game, I just don't like it. Billy OK says he can't be seen in public playing games that aren't hardcore, what would people say? And what up, G and Chad is once again talking about wrestling. That's why it's it's not because they hate the fans. It's more because they have to start from scratch. Uh, hogwash. Later. From a little room in Atlanta, Georgia, Bobby Blackwolf. Don't look for a costume today. I, I don't I don't do costumes, even though I know is the night before Halloween. Um, but but honestly, like if if a teenager comes to your door and, and they're in costume, give them candy because they're trying to hold on to some of their childhood. Hello and welcome to uh, me holding on to my childhood, talking about video games. You are watching the Bobby Blackwell Show, where we discuss the current news affecting the video game industry, as well as sometimes reminisce about gaming's history. My name is Bobby Blackwell. If you're joining us live here on this night before Halloween, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, you can join us live. Uh, we do tape the show live each and every Sunday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, over at the Voice Geeks Network Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash Network. I'll be trying to read intelligent comments from chat throughout the night. Uh, I will not be here in two weeks, though. Uh, so I believe that is like November 12th, I want to say. I can't remember. I'm like trying to do, but it's, it's, I'll be here next week. I will not be here uh, the following week. And hopefully the the week after, I will be at DreamHack Atlanta. So uh, hopefully that's going to come through. I'm still waiting to hear more about uh, if I'm going to be officially involved or if I'm just going to be attending as a uh, person. But I will not be here uh, the night uh, in two weeks from tonight so it's just just going to be olr that night uh got something else that i'm doing um you know haven't traveled in a bit and so we're we're, we're doing some stuff now uh so yeah but other than that each and every sunday night um except for maybe also like two weekends in december i'll let you know we're there may be some weeks off i may be taking uh, a couple weeks off during the during the, the during these winters times uh yeah but uh, but we'll we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. But if you cannot be here live on Sunday nights, like I probably won't be for another couple of weeks, we are a podcast, and you can join our Discord server, vognetwork.com slash Discord. That is where I will be reading things throughout the week. That's where I'm posting things throughout the week. Uh, and uh, you can all even suggest stories or uh, ask opinions on things throughout the week uh, from there. And uh, some of that content I even pull in and put in here on the show. I do want to um, do, do want to talk real quick about uh, somebody that we lost earlier this year that we didn't know about uh, that that who we knew about her but we didn't know that we had lost her and it's Reiko Kodama and uh, Reiko Kodama was uh, a pioneer in in JRPG and early game development uh, and we lost her actually earlier this year and the only reason we found out about it so far is because there was a memory uh an in loving memory tribute in the credits of the sega genesis mini 2 that is starting to get out i get mine in about a week and a half uh i did order it and so it's been shipped out of japan and so it's going to take about two weeks to get here 
But IGN reports that Reiko Kodama, the pioneering developer behind Sega Classics, including Fantasy Star and Skies of Arcadia, uh, has died. The rumors began after a memorial message to Kodama was spotted in the credits of the Mega Drive Mini 2. Asked whether the message was indeed intended to indicate that Kodama had died, Sega producer Yosuke Oskunari said that she had. He wrote, uh, quote, as you understand it, we respected her, unquote, because uh, uh, Okunari-san uh, got a tweet, and somebody tweeted and said, uh, you know, usually this means somebody has died. Is that what this means? And and yes. Uh, Sega subsequently confirmed that Kodama passed away in May, but was unable to share any further details out of respect for the privacy of her family. Sega of Japan added, uh, translated by IGN Japan, quote, we pray that the deceased will rest in peace and we offer our gratitude for her enormous contributions to Sega, unquote. So she was also known as Phoenix Re in her early works, uh, or, or Rie. I'm going I'm to guess I should probably use the Japanese pronunciation. Uh, Kodama broke into the games industry in the mid-1980s, where she served as a graphic designer and later as a producer and director. Uh, her credits included Sonic the Hedgehog 2 and Skies of Arcadia, but she is best known for her work on one of the creative leads of the Fantasy Star series, serving as the director of Fantasy Star 4. Though lauded as an industry, uh, as a pioneer in an industry dominated by men, Kodama was famously averse to the spotlight, deflecting credit to the rest of her team when she was awarded a Pioneer Award at the Game Developer Choice Awards. Um, and uh, what she had said in an interview, quote, I'm not sure if it's because of Sega's corporate culture or what, but I've never felt that I was at a disadvantage just because I'm a woman. I've been working on various things related to game development for over 30 years now, and since joining Sega, I haven't been treated any differently from men, unquote. And then in another interview, she said that she didn't think it was unusual for women to play games, observing that girls often graduated, uh, gravitated to RPGs. One of her most notable works, Fantasy Star, stood out because it was one of the very few games with a female protagonist at the time. She said, quote, as I'm a woman myself, when I make games, I try not to just have to, uh, them be male fantasy figures as people needing to be rescued. I like uh, to, uh, the, to make female characters people... Uh, people of both that both genders can relate to but we are seeing more strong-willed women in games geared towards female audiences unquote she did rename remain active in the industry until the 2010s uh continuing to work on games including seventh Dra uh seventh dragon and sega ages she leaves behind his legacy as one of the foremost female developers in gaming history her 35-year career in the industry serving as inspiration for many women to follow so um our thoughts are out, uh, go out to her family. Apparently, it was back in May, uh, and they just didn't didn't mention it. Uh, so our, our thoughts go out to them. She uh, made a big mark on the industry, uh, and uh, and and I thank her for uh, everything that she has done for all of us. Doctor Tia says, "I never heard of her until this story, but she definitely left quite the legacy. I loved many of the Sega Ages releases." And Mike Dev says, "May she rest in peace, and may her legacy lived on." I don't think she wanted the spotlight, so she was totally fine with you never have having heard of her. Uh, she was not the type of person to put herself for, uh, forward like that. Uh, so, um, but but thank you for her to her and uh, and to her teams uh, for for making all of that successful. So, I'm an Atlanta native. And I got to say, uh, I, I have, I, I, I'm very proud of my city. And there was a major event here this weekend that if I didn't know from 
other people here in in the Atlanta game development industry. Uh, if I didn't know them, I would not have known that this huge event was happening in my backyard. I'm kind of sad about it, but I actually was pointed to this by Redertainment on Twitter, who just sent me a tweet uh, and just said thoughts and sent me a retweet. And so this is from Gene Chorba. And the tweet reads, I hope this Atlanta League of Legends esports event puts the South doesn't care about esports narrative to bed for good. Uh, this is an underserved region that doesn't get the respect it deserved. Large groups of attendees drove five plus hours to attend the first tier one esports event in half a decade. People always point to the Miami uh, LCS finals, and I say that was the least accessible finals of all time. 14 plus hours from Atlanta. So this weekend was at State Farm Arena, which is where the Atlanta Hawks play, uh, was the World's 2022 uh, uh, League of Legends, and it's the semifinals. So I believe the finals are in San Francisco. But they had uh, the semifinals here in Atlanta. In fact, I believe, I don't know if they're going on right this minute. I know tonight was night two. Uh, but uh, but they're... It, it was it was here, and the reason it's here in Atlanta is because it was originally supposed to be in Toronto, uh, but because of COVID restrictions and getting uh, getting people into Canada, uh, the government was making it very difficult for multi-entry visas, and so they had to move it to a place where it was easier to get the competitors. Uh, and they so they moved it to Atlanta, and very very little fanfare locally. Yes, there was fanfare on gaming sites and gaming blogs, but. Uh, I, I had to look, and I did find our local paper did have, uh, you know, one article about it back in June, but there was nothing about it this weekend. And even being here in Atlanta, uh, unfortunately, like I don't know if this was the the local convention center authority or State Farm Arena, um, or the fact that we're in the middle of like right near midterm elections, so there's no ad space available. But there was nothing outside in like on the streets, no billboards, no flags uh, or anything that mentioned this. So uh, but my thoughts on this, other than that, other than I think the Ferris wheel that we have right by the arena had like the world's 2022 logo on it. And that was the only thing that you would see that would promote this. There were concerts being promoted and stuff. But what I got to say is Atlanta showed up. And the Southeast showed up for these esports events because I I don't know much about the esports scene. It's the one side of video games that I don't participate in. Uh, it's not that I don't understand it. I absolutely 100% understand it. it is, that is not it at all. I totally get it. Um, and yes, I even understand how League of Legends and other MOBAs are played. I get that. It's just, it's not something, I think it came about too late for me to concentrate and make that what I really want to focus on in gaming. The closest I get to this is I am in the speedrunning community, which is also kind of a gaming competition in a separate sense. But a lot of people in the esports side of things and esports events think that if you're not in San Francisco or New York, and maybe I guess Austin, Texas, you can't hold an esports event. Like it's just not going to be popular. Uh, let me tell you, uh, this thing sold out in 10 minutes. 20,000 people. And it, I've, I'm, I'm actually showing some B-roll from uh, the Magical View Prophet 
uh, who uh, on YouTube because he, he was in the, the upper deck. So this is actual like shot from from him or or that for them. And the seats are full. Like you're not seeing a lot of empty seats that would indicate like, oh, a bunch of resellers bought them and people didn't buy things. This showed up. And it's because this is the first esports, first major esport event in the on the East Coast that was accessible to a lot of people. Miami, not very accessible. If you're, especially if you're a young person and you don't have that much cash, it's it's quite a haul to get to Miami. Miami's 14 hours away driving from Atlanta. However, most of the East Coast is within 14 hours of driving to Atlanta. And some places are even closer. As Sharon and Matt says, these esports events hell out when they do happen. We've had a few sellouts in New York City when they hosted League of Legends events in, in Madison Square Garden. And they, they what, what esports professionals would tell you is it's because it's New York. New York and San Francisco can sell this out. Nowhere else in America can sell this out. Atlanta sold it out. And this is a semifinal. This isn't even the finals. The finals are later. This is just the semis, and we sold this thing out in 10, in 10 minutes. HDI Andrew is uh, in chat saying, the energy there has been insane. I have been talking to attendees from South Carolina, North Carolina, and Florida. Uh, I, I, I'm sure that there have been people that have been coming from further away because you don't get to experience something like this all that often. Um, this is a worldwide event. Um, and... So I think this is great for the city to attract more of this stuff. I just wish that Atlanta embraced this more because it seems like, and I don't know if it's because this was a last minute move. It was originally supposed to be Toronto. I don't know if that's the issue, but I kind of wish the city backed this more. The city of Atlanta does more for Dragon Con than it does for this worldwide event being basically being transmitted all over the world. Uh, it's basically all of the, just about all the competitors look like they're Korean. So like this is huge in South Korea. They're watching this live in South Korea probably. And Atlanta's not, the city is not doing much of anything to promote it. It's done next to nothing. The Ferris wheel did something and that was it. Um, they did have some, uh, the League of Legends esports team, they did do two vignettes for the teams uh, that, uh, for the teams, one of the teams playing last night, one of the teams playing tonight, where they did film around Atlanta. And it was basically the, the, the players were on a bridge overlooking the highway, looking at the sk skyline of Atlanta and talking about their journey to get here. Um, that, uh, and I could tell that was filmed at like three or four in the morning because that highway that they were overlooking had next to no cars in it. And that only happens at like four in the morning. So they had those kids up really, really, really early to do those vignettes. Uh, and it had some Atlanta iconography in it. They had like, a, you know, a, a marching, drum, marching band drummer. Uh, they had some, uh, some spray painting, uh, some art, uh, some street art uh, depicting the matchups. Uh, and stuff. So, uh, and HCI Andrew says the teams were Korea and China. So this is a big worldwide event, bringing worldwide attention to Atlanta. And Atlanta is like, yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a football, there's an Atlanta Falcons game going on next door. Let's do more to promote that. The Breakman asks, what game is this? This is League of Legends. So this was the League of Legends 
they do their championship series. Uh, they do their worlds every year. Uh, the best teams in the world uh, compete, and I believe North America is hosting the the world's championship this year. Uh, Europe's the European Union's had it in the past, and they they kind of move around countries, kind of like the Olympics. Um, and North America has it this year, uh, and the semis were here in Atlanta. Um, the Breakman says, honestly, I could see city leadership promoting this if it came to my city. Diversity is big here. Uh, Questor says, it's not too surprising considering it's League of Legends. The game has an absolutely massive footprint wherever it goes. And But that's the thing that I, that gets me is that this kind of – it kind of snuck up on me. And the reason it didn't exactly snuck, sneak up on me is because I know HDI Andrew who's in chat. And so HDI Andrew has been talking about it on various social media feeds. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's going on. But if I wasn't that, like I would have had no clue that something like this was happening here. And I kind of wish, I, I hope that maybe now that we've you know been able to sell out the arena in 10 minutes with 20,000 seats, and I don't know if that was like, it might be 40,000, because like, who knows if it was just, you only got tickets for one night, so there was two nights, so I, they, it all sold out. Um, I don't know if that's maybe going to make city leadership kind of wake up and say, hey, this might be a new way to bring revenue to our city and embrace this the Breakman says obviously i've never seen this game yeah the, so this is the game league of legends for people who haven't seen it because like i said it's not something i cover a lot uh league of legends is it's called it's a moba multi-online battle arena and i believe that's what it's actually stands for but it is, it is a moba and essentially it is a five on five uh team team versus team and you're basically trying to destroy the other team's base uh and there are much like overwatch there are heroes that you can play uh that you play as and so that's your abilities but you're ultimately working as a team with your different abilities to take over the other team's base and uh that's that's and, and it's very does lend itself to sports because uh, and sports commentating because a there's the you know how do how do you choose what you're going to be doing, uh, what 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 hero you're going to have and there's even like half of this half of the game actually uh, or half of the broadcast is actually them picking their characters because it, it's really interesting and and Smite does this too and I can't talk about esports in Georgia or League of Legends in Georgia legally without mentioning Smite at least once, because that's made here in Atlanta. It's a legal thing. Congress passed The state legislature passed it a couple years ago. Uh, I'm totally making that up. But anyway, uh, the half of it is selecting your heroes, but also blocking what heroes the other team can pick. So you actually say, no, 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 no. You're really good with that character. I don't want you to use that character. There's a lot of stuff, and... I kind of get it. I understand. I understand. But the reason I don't really follow it is because I haven't learned all the intricacies. So like it doesn't when they slash a character, when one team tells the other team they can't use a specific character and the entire arena goes, goes, goes wild. I don't get it. I don't get that. It's not that I don't get the video game. It's just this particular game, just like rugby and cricket. I don't get those, but the crowd goes wild for things that happen in that as well. So Red Entertainment, I basically told him, you know, I want us to be, uh, I want Atlanta to be more of an esports hub. We've tried, we've and we've got some stuff. Turner, when Turner was doing their esports uh, thing, um, when when Turner was doing that, Turner Broadcasting, they had their uh, their T- TBS show. Their studios are here, so they actually built an esports arena here in Atlanta, uh, and I think they did some. I, I think it was like some fighting game stuff 
was done here in Atlanta, obviously not at Evo level, but they were filming here and, and, and they even used like the NBA on TNT set for a lot of their stuff. And they even aired it on TBS. I remember watching it and stuff. So we've had that. And we've also DreamHack Atlanta, which I'm going to sit here and say is basically um, it's, it's an esports convention. That's what DreamHack is. It, it's uh, it, it's it's a little it's more than that, but it's a, it's very much it's it, it's a convention for esports. And Atlanta is one of the few cities where they hold DreamHack here in the U.S. They've got they've got a couple of different DreamHacks around, but um, the, the Atlanta is one of their big ones, and that's in a couple of weeks. So, uh, East, I I kind of feel like I need to get more into esports because like I'm really excited about stuff like that happening in my city. And I kind of just, I guess I need to just figure out how to get into watching and, and understanding what's going on, uh, which is, I've recently done it with soccer. I did not know soccer all that much until about five or six years ago. I'd watch the World Cup, but I didn't really understand anything. Now, uh, I'm actually a season ticket holder for an MLS team, Atlanta United. We had a crappy season and had some crappy news uh, earlier this week about our star, but uh, I now can explain offsides to you. I can explain some of the penalties and stuff, and it's just I've got to take the time to do it. So I don't know if it's going to be League of Legends or Smite, because if it's not Smite, I'm probably going to get arrested uh, because it is against the against the, the law here to not mention Smite. Uh, and uh, HGI Andrew says the Brawlhalla Championship is here next week. So if you remember Brawlhalla, it's a, uh, it's a uh, fighting game kind of in the same same kind of look and feel as Smash Brothers, but that was made here in Atlanta, and Ubisoft bought them, bought Blue Mammoth Games. So uh, there has been a huge push to get more esports here, um, and and um, there's e- even a Skillshot Media was was basically broken off from High Res Studios to promote more esports in Atlanta and do a lot of esports stuff uh, here. So uh, my thoughts are. I, I kind of wish the city embraced this, what happened this weekend, more, because I know that there are people in leadership in Georgia government that do embrace the stuff like the esports and the colleges have the, here have esports teams now uh, and stuff. And I'm, I'm the, the only disappointment is that the city didn't embrace this more and at least put up like World's 2022 flags around the arena when it was happening or in Centennial Olympic Park, which is right across the street, they could have done a little bit more. But I also understand, you know, the Atlanta Falcons had a home game this week and they take over that entire area for all their stuff. And so it was probably kind of hard to do all that stuff. So, yeah, HDI Andrew says uh, the Brawlhalla Championship, you can go ahead and post a link. It's at the Cobb Galleria, uh, which is uh, it's it's more of a uh, it, that's that's actually where Southern Fried Gaming Expo was. There have been a couple of, I think there was a Smite Championship at uh, what the Cobb Energy Center, which is a it's a, it's a theater. It's a, it's a like a performing arena theater. Uh, you would recognize the front of it if you ever watched The Walking Dead, because the first season of The Walking Dead used that building as the CDC, and it blew up at the end of the first season. So uh, it's still standing. They didn't actually blow it up, but I know there was a Smite Championship there, and that sold out, and that was packed house. I I wish I it's more on me. I wish I kind of understood more about the rules of some of the games. Uh, And it's it's not that I can't. It's just I haven't sat down and tried to do it. Um, But what for me with esports, what happened to me in esports, why I was kind of turned off on them in the beginning. It goes back to anime bros. Um, So back 20 years ago, when Smash Brothers Melee was a big thing. 
uh, I ran into some Melee bros when I was uh, staffing a an anime convention, which was happening this weekend that I didn't go to, Anime Weekend Atlanta. Uh, I was I was video game staff about 15 years ago, and I ran into some of those Melee esports people, uh, and they were uh, not very pleasant to be around. And so that turned me off on on supporting esports stuff. So when that when things got happened more, uh, that turned me off. And then also, unfortunately, I am an older person, and one of the th- hallmarks that I noticed, especially about ten years ago, maybe, and I, it's probably still like that now, especially in the FGC, the fighting game community. Um, but also when ABC, our our big ABC television network, aired Overwatch League. Uh, they actually aired some Overwatch League stuff on ABC. It was on network television. And when I, you know, I value things like sportsmanship, and that's not exactly a thing in some of these communities. It's been, like fighting game communities, trash talk is half of the fun. And I'm not into that anymore. Maybe when I was, you know, 18, 19, I probably would have found found that funny. But I'm not into that anymore. And when the Overwatch League was on ABC, uh, one of the teams just demolished the other team and they did an interview with one of the people that was on the winning team and they basically said well the other team sucked a whole lot so we decided to just have some fun and just prove how much better than them we were and i'm like that's not a great first impression and they aired that on tv on on network television they aired that interview my wife was watching with me, and that was the first time she had ever seen any esports stuff. She said, "Yeah, I'm not interested. If there's not sportsmanship at the end, when, when, you know, yes, go after it when you know in between the the wells or whistles or chimes or honks or whatever, you know, starts and ends a match. Uh, yeah, but once that's over, like be a good sport. And that doesn't have like I can see." Uh, I think in League of Legends, like they do actually do a, you know, congratulatory, you know, handshake, you know, at the end of the match. Uh, but generally, I've seen in esports that uh, there's not that much sportsmanship because that's what the adults do is the sportsmanship. We're real is kind of the, the sense that I get. Dark Tatia says, at least what I've seen in Evo is it's not li- bad like that. And I think Evo probably is a little bit different than, like, maybe your local FGC scene. Uh, because one of the things I've been told when I've, when I've talked about this before is, like, well, trash talk's part of esports. That's one of the things you get from esports is you get the people that don't respect each other. Uh, and, you know, I'm sure, like, you know, UFC and MMA, you also get this. In boxing, you get people that don't respect each other. And I, I get that. I understand. But I don't watch those either. At the end of the day, you are just sitting at a computer playing a game. Um, and so it doesn't need to go full on to the disrespect. Pod Culture says, oh, hell, sports ball talk. I'm talking about esports. I'm actually talking about esports. I'm talking about kids playing League of Legends and playing League of Legends really, really, really well. Super well. And if you understand everything that's going on on the screen, it's super exciting. Questbuster says, League has the same problem. The online community has a rep for being toxic. Uh, HDI Andrew uh, says that uh, Smite sold out the Cobb Energy Center, 3,000 attendees for four days, and Smite Worlds is in January. 
You can find out more about that at smitegame.com slash SWC. Uh, and then uh, also Brawlhalla uh, is at bcx.live is where you can find more about the Brawlhalla competition. Um, and Podculture says eSports ball. Well, if it was Rocket League, it would have sports ball. But League of Legends doesn't have a ball. So it's sports magic missile, I guess. NHGI Andrew says, uh, hate to say it, but the Smite event is in Dallas. So uh, congrats to Atlanta. Uh, and I know HDI Andrew, I know you've uh, he's in chat. I know he's been doing a lot to try to also help things like this happen here in this area. Uh, so congrats. It looks like it's been a huge success. Um, looks like it was super exciting. I'm sorry I wasn't able to make it uh, out to anything. Um I was I would have bought a ticket, but uh, I didn't know if I was going to be able to do so this weekend. Uh, my life's been kind of crazy, but um, it's uh, I, I'm very glad that this was here. And I hope, you know, maybe one day we'll embrace it enough. And maybe at some point a big esports event will actually happen at that big stadium instead of just in the arena. Wouldn't that be fun? So let's talk about the gaming news because pod culture is about to, you know, unsubscribe and ask for his money back uh, and, uh, you know, unfollow forever, forever, forever. Um, but uh, but let's so let's talk about video games and, and let pod culture come back uh, to us. This is the one thing I want to talk about as well, because that, I've talked about this and we've seen this before. This is not the first time we've seen it, but uh, this is going to be a trend and it's going to be something that we're going to see. A lot more. Uh, and it's about uh, the physical copies of games. So TechCrunch reports that cartridges and discs used to be how you got the latest games, but that's been changing as downloads have become more convenient and reliable. But some people prefer the sure thing, a physical copy, so they can play offline or with a bad connection. The Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 disc, which is the version that came out this year, not the Modern Warfare 2 from a while ago, because this is the second game called Modern Warfare 2, it is essentially a link to the download. 150 gigabytes. Now, to be fair, games that uh, that size don't fit uh, on even high-capacity Blu-ray discs. I believe it's like 120 gigs is how much you can get on a high-capacity disc or something like that, which for distribution purposes max out around 50 gigs. I think it's you can do more than that, I think, but I don't know. I haven't tried to burn anything to a high-capacity Blu-ray disc before. Not not that we haven't seen multi-disc games before. You know, Final Fantasy VIII, uh, the disc was scratched someday. Uh, I mean, Red Dead Redemption 2 was on multiple discs. It's, we've had multiple disc games even recently. Uh, but Activision decided they just weren't going to bother. So um, it's getting tougher for people to uh, get these discs um, and for to get these games. So there's the ever-present fear that one's digital access might disappear for whatever reason. If your account gets banned, you lose access to your game. Uh, or perhaps once someone has a spotty connection, a common issue for the military. I mean, there are a lot of people currently deployed overseas that love their Call of Duties. And if you're out in the middle of uh, uh, on deployment... You might have just a satellite internet connection. It's going to be really hard for you to download 150 gigs. Whereas it's really easy for the world. Well, it's not, I'm not going to say easy. It is possible 
for them to get the physical discs to whatever PBX exchange or whatever that is on your military base where you can go get the disc. It's never really easy, especially if it's an active com- combative zone, uh, but but it, it is possible. Um, even those with decent internet might find themselves uncomfortably close to transfer caps, even if they start their month with a 150 gig spree. Uh, even more once Warzone gets added. Like, I still have my one terabyte, or really it's 1.2 gigs, my one terabyte transfer limit. That's uploads and downloads. Uh, and so, like, it's actually, hey, it's the 30th, so tomorrow I might be like, all right, cool, I have, like, 300 gigs left. I can download some Game Pass stuff. But there's, that's not something I can do all the time, and as more and more of these games are these this big, yeah, I'm going to want the physical disc to at least get 100 gigs of it, and then maybe, you know, you patch in 50 gigs. That's easier to swallow than taking basically one-tenth of my data cap just to download your game, even though I bought the disc. The 72 megabyte app, it's only 72 megs on the disc, is basically just an authenticator that and shell that initiates the enormous download process. So most of those 72 megabytes, according to this author, might just be the 4K video files of Logos. Probably. There's even a pre- pre-order Steelbook bonus. It's a metal case for the disc and anything else it comes with. Players may be disappointed to find out that this fancy reinforced packaging protects nothing of value. Obviously, there is great waste entailed in the production of perhaps millions of discs, although the numbers are likely much lower than they used to be for no reason. But waste is endemic in consumerism. The bait and switch is, uh, of it is the galling thing that Activision is taking the worst of both worlds. I, and this has been happening on PC for a while. I, the last PC game I bought, and I don't know what it was, but I bought the disc or the game and I opened up the case and it's like, here's your code for Steam. It literally, like, it was a DVD case, but there was no disc in there. You open it up, and in the little circle, there was just, there was a card that had the code that you would put in on Steam. Yeah, and Tiger Claw says, you kind of see this in action when you load a game that's backwards compatible on the Xbox Series X. It downloads the full game only using the disc for authentication. That's a different case, because it's a different program. The, The Xbox Series X cannot emulate what is actually on the disc. It cannot emulate the ones and zeros that are on the disc. What they're providing you when you download is a different compilation of the game. They compile the game differently to let it run on the Xbox Series X. So it is not true backwards compatibility in the sense of you put the Xbox 360 disc in and it just plays. Can't do that. They they can't do that on the Xbox Series X for whatever. Their workaround is you download a different version of the game. That disc acts as your key that says, yes, you can play this. But you download it because it's actually a different different game. Now, uh, Tiger Claw said physical media are great, can be susceptible to disc rot. At least at some point, the material that contains the data on the disc will deteriorate and become unreadable. And uh, Tiger Claw says disc rot takes like 100 years to happen. Sure, CDRs and low-quality burn discs are like 25 years, but both last longer than a company wanting to allocate server space for a long, dead game. Um, and I mean, I will also say like, I actually have, uh, here on my desk because of the, the previous story, I have skies of Arcadia. So, uh, for the people on the podcast feed, since I'm on Twitch and I'm on video and people can actually walk, watch me talking to a mic for whatever reason, uh, I sometimes put things around. And so I actually have like, uh, the boxes for, uh, fantasy star three and four, because we were talking, uh, about, uh, Reiko Kodama earlier, but I also have my dreamcast version of skies of Arcadia. 
Now, unfortunately, I can't play it. And I learned this a couple years ago because I put it in my Dreamcast and I can't actually get past. And uh, it is because the disc has uh, some scratches. I did not own this disc originally. This was a, I saw it and it was at a good price. Uh, but there are, it's actually like, you can, okay, there we go. You can actually see that like this disc is not in great shape. So even though I have Skies of Arcadia, I actually can't play it because it it um it hangs. Like I I think one time I got through the opening scene, the opening movie, and then uh, the the Dreamcast just couldn't read it anymore. So you have those those issues, and that's something that digital downloads can solve. However, um the uh, the other side of the coin is things get delisted. Hi PT, how you doing? So even though you've bought something, and we're seeing this more and more now, like in movies, like Sony has done this to people, and I think Apple's even done this, people that even if you bought something on like, you bought a movie or a TV show on the PlayStation Store or on iTunes or something like that, there's nothing guaranteeing you that you're going to have access to it forever. Sony has pulled movies off their service. Even if you bought it, you can no longer download it. And we even had some people that were listeners of this show that would talk about how they lost all their purchases. They they delisted those movies, and even though they bought it, they don't have access to it anymore. You're seeing it in music because there's um, a lot of uh, younger people are saying, why do you still have CDs? Why are you still owning CDs? Why do you collect this stuff? Just I could pull it up on my phone on Apple Music or Spotify way longer, way, way quicker than you could find the CD and find a CD player and put it in. And you're right. That's true. Until you learn that Spotify removes people all the time. Like, I th- and like at my work, they were talking about this recently. I guess Snoop Dogg removed like all his music off of Spotify. So you don't actually own the music there. Uh, you're using a streaming service to play it. And, you know, Game Pass, like if we're, we want to talk about games, Game Pass does that. They remove things off their service all the time. So having access to something even after the company says, no, you shouldn't have access to this anymore. There's something to be said about that. And we are losing that. And we are going, uh, spe- we're quickly going away from that. And I understand, yes, you can, you know, watch movies on Netflix and even watch them in 4K. I can tell you right now, the 4K UHD Blu-rays that I have for movies look way better than the 4K streaming UHD streaming movies of the same thing that I can get off of Vudu. Matt says, Nintendo is about to delist a bunch of 3DS games. Some of those games are going to be gone for good. And I kind of tried to sound the alarm on this until like I was like, oh, you know, Steam is really convenient. So I was like, okay, cool, fine. Um, but... Uh, and, you know, not having to always, like, swap out cartridges in my in my Switch. I'm like, okay, I'll buy that on digital. I'll buy that on digital. But, you know, we're going to lose a lot of stuff if we're not careful. So the idea of uh, Modern Warfare 2, it's a 150-gig download, but you have to download it. And if you can't download it, then I guess you're not going to play it because there's no way you're going to be able to get a physical disc with it on it or even have most of it on it. Um this I, I can see that this is where things are going to go. And I'm actually going to talk about something that's a little bit different in terms of this because there's another reason that companies may not want to have a physical game. Corey Barlog, who I always, always, always want to say Corey, Corey Balrog. 
I always want to say Balrog, but it's Barlog. God of War. So what happened is, um, you, this is also a PSA. Be very careful because uh, some retailers broke street date on God of War Ragnarok, and there are people that are posting spoilers all over social media. Corey Barlog tweeted today, quote, you know, right now, I can really understand the benefit of having just an installer on the physical disc. SMH. Unquote. Corey is actually saying that he wishes that God of War Ragnarok just shipped with an installer. Because then, even if a retailer broke street date, you wouldn't be able to download the game for two weeks. And the more things like that that happen, I can see that game developers are going to love having digital-only releases. They may also love having, you know, a subscription service where the game's delisted. One of the things that I have said multiple times that game developers are probably going to love, or game publishers, let me put publishers, would love about something if Stadia worked out, which, you know, another streaming technology where this game streamed to you. If Stadia worked, you know, if Stadia worked out or if xCloud Game Pass works out or, you know, the Logitech G stream and the, the, you know, uh, NVIDIA Shield and stuff like that. Here's the great thing about this. If you're a publisher, there's nothing to pirate. It is impossible to crack and pirate a game that is only available via streaming. The Breakman says, you're just now realizing that. No, I actually said this back when Stadia started. The, the best thing about a streaming service like that is that you don't have an executable to crack. Your cracker groups can't get at it. The only way you would be able to crack the game is if somebody on the inside leaked you the, the executable, and then the cracker groups could then get it and release it on torrent sites. That's going to be the next step is now you're going to have to just stream the game. You don't even get the local copy of the game. Because PT, even though it's delisted, you can get your hands on PT through means that I'm not going to talk about on Twitch. And don't ask. Don't put it in the chat room. I don't want Vogue to get in trouble. But it is possible to get PT installed on a new new console today. So streaming makes that even harder. Questbuster says, companies like Electronic Arts and Activision already make so much off of digital sales, they can cut. Uh, they want this digital future because it controls the, uh, the control it gives to publishers is immense. They can cut out retail entirely just as they can cut out manuals from physical releases. Oh, I, I mean, it's manuals have been gone for a while because they're like, nobody looks at this. And they and what what does suck is they don't even make like a digital manual like they're just like, no, it's all in the game. Like, and, and one of the things that, that sucks for me is like, if I come to a game a long time later, I, you know, need to remember what buttons do what in the old days, I could just like pull out the manual and be like, oh yeah. Like on page two, it had the little, the controller and it was like, here's what the buttons do. I'm like, great, cool. Awesome. Like, you know, I've got it for skies of Arcadia right here. I've got skies of Arcadia right here. Here's the manual on skies of Arcadia. It's got a fancy star online, uh, ad for J- in January, 20, 2001 on the back. Um, and then, but you know, you, you, you look in here and like page two basic controls. Here's how you play this game right here. Right. You know, 
So we don't get that anymore. Now it's buried under menus, and they don't even make like any kind of a manual thing. You know, the Wii U and the Wii, the Wii especially, I remember, uh, actually had manuals like that you would scroll through. And, you know, you would scroll through the manual and you could load it up on the pause screen. You could actually just, it was in the part of the OS. We don't do that anymore. And Questbuster says, uh, manuals equal additional cost for packaging. Put it on the disc, saves money. But manuals really added something to have a game, at least for me. They could put so much other stuff, like artwork and, you know, stuff, uh, you know, better artwork. I mean, really, now that we've got really good artwork in the game, it doesn't mean that much. But, like, actual, like, good artwork from the 8-bit days, so you know what they were going for. You know what the character was supposed to look like. Um Fifth Dream says, now it's 20-hour tutorials looking at you, Xenoblade Chronicles 3. And Breakman says, 20? Yes. 20. And counting. Persona games also have long tutorials. So, But it's not 20 hours. I would say that the Persona games have like a 5 to 10-hour tutorial. But it's 20 hours. Yeah. And as Sharon Matt says, we used to get a digital-only discount. Now it's $70 across the board for games. So we're going to take a very quick music break. And then uh, I'll be back. And if somebody does want to call in about this or to, uh, reminisce about manuals or anything like that, um, give me. you can go into our green room over in our Discord server, vognetwork.com slash Discord, and uh, I will see you in there and then pull you in on the other side of this music break. You're participating with the Bobby Blackwell Show here on the Voice of Geeks Network at twitch.tv slash vognetwork. <laughs> If you want some cake, listen to the Bobby Blackwolf Show. That's right. GLaDOS. Totally GLaDOS. Actually, it was. It was Ellen McLean. I added auto-tune. I, I, like, I, I remember, like, I was, like, able to get, like, a 30-day free trial of a, com- uh, of a program that did auto-tune, and I used on that bumper and then deleted the program. Anyway... If you want to leave a bumper, I do not have to auto-tune you. Just send me an MP3 of your Just Your Voice or a video of Just Your Voice. I will choose which DMCA violation to put behind it uh, and uh, send it to me. Uh, c- c- contact me either on Discord or on Twitter, or if you want to email me, uh, bumpers at bobbyblackwolf.com. Um, that is where we are going to be. Um, <clears throat> I, there were some good comments about manuals uh, here in, in, because we started talking about manuals and things. And um, the Breakman says, kids today will never know the true awesomeness of game manuals. Uh, For some of us, we got into the manual before the game. What I actually said, and I said this in chat, but I'm going to say it again for the podcast audience. Kids today will never remember uh, that the Legend of Zelda's manual, the original Legend of Zelda, you know, the 1985 one, you know, uh, it's dangerous to go alone, take this. That manual was 50 pages long, and it had a complete walkthrough of the first three dungeons. So they all were like, oh, Legend of Zelda, it just threw you in and it didn't tell you anything and you just had to figure it out on your own. No, we had 50 pages of stuff telling us what we needed to do. And it walked us through exactly how to get through the first three dungeons. So uh, the manuals were essentially... Manuals went away when we started being able to get tutorials in the games, but the reason the old games didn't have tutorials because they didn't need it. They had a manual. Um, Mike Dev said he was going to call in and talk about Tunic which he's called in before to talk about Tunic, but that is essentially you have to go through an in-game manual to figure it all out. That's that's its gimmick, and it apparently does have an easy mode for me. Um, uh, Questbuster says Fantasy Star 2 came with a manual and a mini-hit guide, which was pretty thick. Um, and so I have here on the desk Fa- Fantasy Star 3 and Fantasy Star 4, uh, and I picked it up. Now, realize I didn't own these. These I bought 
you at probably some convention or some used game store. But I actually have a box copy of Fantasy Star Three right here. Unfortunately, the manual is not in it. But what is in it with the cartridge? I do have the cartridge. Is the Fantasy Star Three hint book? Uh, what's the secret? I could get it for only fourteen ninety five with an asterisk. Um, you can call one eight hundred USA Sega. Please have your Visa or Mastercard ready. Uh, this excludes shipping and handling charges, plus state taxes. Applicable. Please allow three to four weeks for delivery. So that's uh, that's all that came in my uh, in my pre owned copy of Fantasy Star Three. And I checked my Fantasy Star Four. It just has the cartridge. It's just the box and the cartridge. No manual, no hint book, or anything like that. So unfortunately, I don't have any of those manuals to show off here. But people were talking about the manuals that they really liked, and that there was a thing that they really enjoyed. Uh, Walking home, you know, on the ride home, reading the manual. Now you can just read the back of the box uh, stuff. So I uh, I hope that um, that uh, I kind of wish they would do more, at least have a digital manual. I know some Steam games will have a digital manual as a PDF. At least do something like that. The Breakman says they don't take American Express. No, uh, especially back then. I don't know how it is now. Uh, the... And and I know you were making a joke, but it, it actually cost companies more to take American Express. American Express took a larger percentage out of the the sale and kind of had there were more hassles with using American Express than Visa and MasterCard, which is why a lot of places didn't take American Express. As Sheridan Matt says, I'm apparently getting my Genesis Drive Mini 2 this week. Looking forward to it. So I haven't looked. I'm going to look. I'm not going to put it on my screen, but I'm going to look real quick. Um... Because I got mine, and I'm going to see if, like, it changed. I'm going to see if my uh, delivery date changed. Because there is shipping from Japan. Uh, so I'm going to see when it says it's... Uh, so mine still says it's going to arrive November 10th. So I don't get it next week. I get it a week later. Some people have already gotten them, uh, early copies, because I think, like, it's finally it's out now. Um, so... Uh, I get my Genesis Drive Mini on November 10th. Unfortunately, I will not be here that weekend. That is the weekend I am not going to be here uh, for the show. So you're going to have to wait another week. But I may stream it that night because I'm not leaving until the weekend. So that's a, a November 10th is a Thursday, I believe. So I may actually stream it on my Twitch channel, but you won't be able to hear it on the podcast until the week after, unfortunately. So uh, let me check one more. Nobody else was in the green room. So coming up next here on the Voice Geeks Network, twitch.tv slash Vogue Network is Orange Lounge Radio. Three people out in Sacramento, California. They talk about games for much, much longer uh, than than I do. And it looks like they're not going to be here. We're just going to be dark on Sunday, it looks like. I I, I don't know. I'm going to ask Rob in a second. Sacramento, are you there? Hi. Yes, I'm here, Bobby. How are you? I am doing well. So you're not going to be here on the 12th either? No, Veterans Day weekend. Um, I'm actually going to be up in Seattle on just a personal vacation. Um, No particular reason or rhyme or reason. Just um, uh, Alan and I have earned a break, so we're taking one. Uh, There was a nice little airline sale that we took advantage of, so we're getting up there for $69. Nice one way. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, that's that's really all there is to it. Vacation. Yeah, so so what I'm actually doing, um, and I I don't mind saying this, a bunch of friends uh, of mine, some of some of whom you've met, uh, so, some you haven't. Um, did, we did this a couple of years ago, and we're like, "That was fun. Let's do it again." So we're going to do it. We're renting a cabin up in the Smoky Mountain, uh, oh, up fun. up in the Appalachian Mountains, up in uh, Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. 
And so, oh my gosh, Dollywood. Yes, oh, Dollywood's so right there. I'm so jealous. It's on my bucket list to go to Dollywood. We're probably not going to Dollywood, unfortunately, <laughs> but we're go- we'll, we'll go and buy it. But, well, we could, uh, but we're actually going up there. And essentially what we do is we go up there, we bring a whole bunch of board games, and we basically, like, everybody takes, like, a dinner or a lunch and stuff, and we're just going to be in a cabin up in the woods playing board games. And no, I already out. know. You're not, you're not going to go to Dollywood, but you will drive by just so you can text yes. me the picture with the caption, yes. hi. Yes. So, so yeah. So uh, that's where I'm going to be that weekend, going playing board games. That's great. With people. And it's, so, a, it's, a, it's, it's a restful weekend for both of us. Yes. It's great. Yeah, because there is a hot tub overlooking the mountains. So, you know, who knows? That's, that's very. That sounds very similar to what my friends and I used to do um, in, out here in California, Mendocino, Fort, Fort Bragg on the coast. Uh, mm-hmm. A little, probably about three hours north of San Francisco. Driving, uh, we used to rent a cabin, a yeah. hot tub, look at the beach. It was beautiful. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, the Breakman says, cabin, "Cabin in the woods to play board games sounds like the start of a horror movie." Oh, we make those jokes all the time. Oh, but you know what, though? C- consider this part. I mean, yes, it's a great horror movie setup, but consider the fact that these areas don't really have cell phone signal. Well, I don't know yeah. about you, Bobby, but the thing, in, the place in Fort Bragg did not have cell phone signal. So you had to force all, all, force all of the nerds off of their technology for a weekend. And it actually was pretty cool. Yeah. So unfortunately, we, well, we do have cell phone signal and they do have Wi-Fi up there. So there is a Wi-Fi in the cabin and, and like TV and, you know, cause like, so we could actually watch because there's some of us cover years, pod culture. There's a big sports ball game. Uh, so mm-hmm. we, we can watch that on TV, but, but it's like direct TV salad. But anyway, but yes, essentially the idea is you unplug and we're going to just be hanging out with people and playing board games for, for, for a very long weekend. And so I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. That'll be fun. Yep. Um, so uh, I, the main story I kind of talked about tonight was physical games mm-hmm. and, and stuff. Like, I don't think you get that many physical games anymore, especially because you don't have to worry about a bandwidth cap. But are you kind of worried about the trend of that maybe even the physical games are just going to be a download installer for the main game? Um, I think it's just inevitable. I think it doesn't matter how I feel about it because that seems to be the way the industry is going. And I think the the God of War information tonight you know, with the leaks and everything, I think it's very huge as to how it even frustrates the developers and how mm-hmm. they kind of want to get away from it. Um, I Yeah, you're right. The the bandwidth cap, uh, not having that anymore, has made digital a lot easier. I still would say I like having the value of a disc, and even the install disc for Modern Warfare 2 is still going to have, you know, value to it. Um, uh, I kind of like having that equity or what have you in a video game library, especially, you know, as classic games sometimes go up in value. So I do still like to buy physical media sometimes. I think what's happened is a lot of my gaming has switched to PC. Mm-hmm. And guess what? In PC, there like is no physical. No. There are no physical PC games anymore. I mean, if, I, yes, you all will yell an exception in chat right now. There is the rare exception, the limited run games. But, but by far and wide, it's Steam. It's Epic Game Store. PC already went this direction several years ago. Yeah. So I think it is kind of inevitable for consoles. And I can't remember what it was that I bought. But like the last game that I bought, and I don't know if it was like Civilization or StarCraft, that was this physical PC disc. It literally, mm-hmm. you opened it up and it was like, here's the download code. And that yeah. was it. Yeah. You know, but but they, they made it still in a DVD case. That was the thing that got me. So it was still the, with the circle and, yeah. you know, you could put a DVD in there. And they're like, nope, no, no, not, not even putting that in there. We're just, here's the card. 
a lovely thing to have under the Christmas tree or Hanukkah bush and ultimately on the shelf. That's that's it. Yeah. Now, I mean, you can get and what retailers are trying to do and what some of the companies are doing to try to appease the retailers is you can buy the card that says this download card, this card is Forza Horizon 5 or whatever. I see them a lot for Xbox games where it's Mm -hmm. not the code for money. It's literally you put the code in and that's the game. Mm -hmm. And then Mm -hmm. then you download the game. Uh, And I guess that's what they're trying to get to. So you can have something under the tree yeah, or just print out a piece of paper with the code. I don't know. I don't know if Target by you is starting to look like the one here, but like the video game section has shrunk and it's because there's way less physical media. It's much more like half the shelving are those cards you're talking about, whether it's, you know, money for the Nintendo eShop or whatever, or like like a game redeem, like you were just explaining. That's why a lot of them are here. Like it's the, the game cartridges shrunk, but they've started to sell plushies and accessories and socks and at least in my target there's a little there's a little bit of that but yeah. the, then the funko section kind of took that over yeah so uh <laughs> but yeah no i i miss kind of the physical side of it more because of my down the bandwidth cap mm-hmm. and you know and also seeing that you know yeah you can lose access to some of these yes even though if you have the disc or something you know you're gonna lose access to this yeah. Um, actually, Breakman in chat has a great point, too. It says that sucks because Target has great clearance deals and they're trying to get rid of games. Yep. That's exactly why Target is changing it, because they don't want to have these excess of physical inventory that they're likely losing money on by having to sell them um, at that clearance. Uh, when you have the the cards, it's very easy to just destroy the cards and mm-hmm. that's it. You've you know, you don't have this excess inventory on hand. Uh, it's probably a win win for them, too, to be honest. Yeah. And uh, Tucker says, having less physical media will clear out the clutter in a room. At some point, you're going to run out of space for storage. Tell me about it. I yeah, kind of know. People, some people like that problem, though. Like, you know. I know. I, my, but... my, my, uh, my, my father liked that problem. I don't. Because I'm <laughs> dealing with it now because he's gone. Um, yes, there's also the organized, you know, yeah. like, an organ, like, you know, your your shelf upstairs with your television boxes that actually yeah. look really cool. So, you know, there's there's um, when when used appropriately, it can be yeah. it can be a thing uh, people want. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, so, yeah, but I'm, I'm actually going through that. And also like instruction manuals, it's really interesting, like going back to like old computers and stuff, mm-hmm. because my dad had a lot of these. And it turns out like a lot of software, like computer software in the 80s and the early 90s. They had instruction manuals that were literally 150 pages long. Oh yeah, they were they were huge. Oh, and I'm like, D- does a bookstore want these? Do they not? Like I don't know. Like because it's not like it's not like a little 10 page manual like we get here or even you know stuff like that. It's like these are like books, like big huge books, heavy books. And it was like this is the manual for partition magic, mm-hmm. and it's like 150 pages. I'm like, how does partition magic need a 150 page manual? But apparently it did. And I'm dealing with all that right now. Some of those, um, like, you know, old school, you know, D&D and, and tabletop inspired games that were on, you know, Apple II, Commodore yeah. 64, they would come with full on novels. But that yep. was part of the selling point. It was like you get a game and you get a novel because yeah. the games were basically based on the novels. So there was a lot of crossover interest. Yeah. People would want both. Yeah. Yeah. I think I remember getting like Space 1899 or something. And like the manual was like the story mm-hmm. and it was super thick and like. I was too young, and so it was a little over my head. And I, I just thought, oh, it's it's neat. It's a game about, you know, Victorian spacefarers. And it was just so over my head. But I also remember a day when you would get a 40-page manual, but half the manual were pictures that were used for copy protection. Yeah. 
that you'd have to scan through to find the face yep. or the code or whatever it is the game is I, st- I still for. have those and some of those from my Sierra <laughs> games because I, I didn't crack any of the Sierra games on my old DOS box, so I still have to put in the phone number in Leisure Suit Larry of what That's you know what's funny. this girl's phone number. Mm-hmm. Or SimCity. The, the, most, the most infamous uh, console cartridge, or uh, most uh, infamous console copy protection of all time, the uh, code in Star Tropics. Yeah. Yeah. Which, they, which is fun when they had to, like, make that work for, like, the NES Classic, and how are they going to do that? And Yeah. Which, what they did, I, the, what they did for that code was, uh, for anybody who doesn't know, on the NES Classic, they put the code on the back of the box of the NES Classic. <laughs> and that's also what I believe the PlayStation uh, Classic did for Metal Gear Solid. Mm. Because uh, I know, I remember the Wii version had the online manual actually had a little animation of paper dunking in water and showing yeah. you the code. It was super cute. Yeah. 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 Uh, but yeah, because uh, Metal Gear Solid, uh, spoiler alert, um, there was a number, there was a radio frequency you had to tune to. The only way you would, and they actually would say in the game and kind of point you to, you have to look at the back of the box. Like they said it as much as they could in universe, but it was telling you to look at the back of the game box. So they put that on the back of the PlayStation Classic box, that screenshot, so you could see the 180.35 or something that you needed to tune to. Yeah. So what else are you going to be talking about on Orange Lounge Radio tonight? Well, it was it was oddly a, a slow news week for this yeah. time of year, um, but we do have a, a couple uh, items talking about what's going on in Xbox world. Just how much is Microsoft making off of Game Pass? It might surprise you a little bit. Um, and then they are talking about potentially raising prices over there, but certainly not going to be happening before the holidays because um, they're not on the $70 level yet, but it's very likely that they're going to get there. Um, we'll also talk about a horror game. Uh, it's an independent game that is getting sued because it's too much like Ikea. But to what extent do we get to have, you know, parody laws and, you know, things, you know, can can be inspired by things without necessarily uh, having to have a license just because it kind of has a look and feel of it. Uh, We'll also talk about, unfortunately, um, you brought up one of the great losses in the industry this week. We had another contemporary loss happen just in the last day. So, um, yes, unfortunately, a lot of loss this week. So we'll uh, we'll talk about all that coming up on OLR. All right. Orange Lounge Radio is up next. Thanks so much, Rob. Thanks as always, Bobby. So that is it for me. I will be back next Sunday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, right here at the Voice Geeks Network Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash VOG Network. Come join us and interact with the show directly. We will not be here in two weeks. Neither will OLR. You're going to get a break uh, on Veterans Day weekend here in the U.S., uh, which is that's actually celebrated on Monday. But we're going to have a break. You're going to have none of us in two weeks, and then we will all be back the week after. But we will be here next week, so come back. See us next week. Um, you can also find me on our Discord server, vognetwork.com slash Discord. I am also still on Twitter as of right now uh, at Bobby Blackwolf, but I also have Instagram at Bobby Blackwolf, Twitch, Bobby Blackwolf, TikTok. Uh, I haven't posted on TikTok in a long time uh, because I, I haven't figured out what I want to post on TikTok. Uh, but I'm there at Bobby Blackwolf as well. Uh, if you like the show, tell a friend. If you hate the show, tell an enemy. I don't care. Just tell someone. The show is not for everybody, but it may be for somebody who does not know about it yet. But we would not be able to make the, this uh, this live show work without the support of the chatters that go above and beyond. You being here is... Uh, is enough. That's really all we ask. However, I do want to thank Podculture for resubscribing on Twitch, which gives you access to our video on demand. You can actually see the VODs. Uh, You can actually watch me do this uh, instead of just listening. The podcast is free, but we lock the VODs behind 
uh, subscribing. So if you subscribe, subscribe on Twitch, you can see all of those and you get access to our emotes, little Wolfie Hayes head uh, jamming with headphones on to music that you can use all across Twitch. But thank you so much, Pod Culture. I'm sure he wants a refund because I talked about sports tonight, but uh, the uh, I'm going to think about it. No, I'm not going to give you a refund. Thank you so much, though, for your support for uh, many, 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 many years. Uh, that's uh, I'm going to hit the button so I can get out of here and uh, not anger Pod Culture anymore. So thank you so much. I will see you next week. And uh, take care of yourself. Take care of your manuals if you have any for your old games because they're a dying breed. I'll see you next week. Bye. A winner is you. The views and opinions expressed are those of the hosts, guests, and callers only, and are not necessarily the opinions of the Vogue Network. People who need to hire new voiceover guys. Or your mom. Although if Bobby said it, it really should be. This has been a production of Bobby Blackwolf Studios.